Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. Father, I pray you'd hear our prayers right now. I pray that you would help these next few minutes together. Uh, Be helpful, be fruitful. We don't want to just go through uh, the motions of Christianity, uh, but we want to be faithful in our love for you, our loyalty to you, uh, our obedience to you. And so, just for the next few minutes, would you fill us full of the Holy Spirit, maybe to hear in a fresh way thoughts about evangelism uh, that would not only motivate us and encourage us, but hopefully also equip us Uh, to be faithful in this area that's so important, but oftentimes daunting. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so everything we're going to talk about today is is hopefully very practical about evangelism. And in one sense, you could say this is all by way of application. You think about uh, the second greatest commandment. The first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is, like it, love your neighbors yourself. If there was some kind of way that you could go back to being a non-Christian, but you could still retain all the knowledge that you know now about God, hell, eternity. What would be the most loving thing that a Christian could do for you? It would be to share the gospel. I just don't think you can make a better argument than that. Um, And my first kind of introductory thought would just be this. Uh, To me, I really like pizza. All right, pizza's one of my favorite foods. There's no such thing as bad pizza. Uh, There's better pizza, there's worse pizza, but there's no such thing as bad pizza. And in a very similar way, I'd say there's no such thing as bad evangelism. Uh, there's better evangelism. Hopefully, that's what we're going to talk about today. There's worse evangelism. You know, the crazy-looking guy on the side of the road with the cross that says Turner Burn. That's probably maybe in the worst category. Uh, but I'll say this. Nothing that I say today, I hope, will turn you away from doing evangelism. If, you're already, if you have something that's working for you, go for it. And let me just give you a real practical story. Years ago, there was a campus outreach staff person before my time and went to a new church, started working with them. And one of the elders of this church was talking to the campus outreach staff guy and saying, he was kind of saying, you know, there's something about the way y'all are doing evangelism that I don't particularly like. And I don't even remember what it was. Maybe he was disagreeing about something in the four spiritual laws. And uh, so the younger campus outreach staff guy asked this elder, said, well, how do you typically share the gospel? And the elder in the church, I really appreciate this. He was humble enough to say, well, to be honest, I don't really ever share the gospel with people. And the campus outreach staff person said back to him, uh, well, I tell you what, I like the way that I do share the gospel better than the way that you don't share the gospel. Uh, and so that, that would be kind of the point was it, I'd rather you do a bad job of at least fumbling forward than wait around to do the, the perfect way. Okay, so just a couple of thoughts in light of that. The first thing would be, and some of this may be basic you've already covered, but hopefully it'll get helpful in a second. Uh, if you've never done this before, or even if you've done it but it's been a long time, it is really helpful to write out your testimony and to do it short and sweet, like something you could say in less than three minutes. But here, here would be uh, maybe what's key in this. Make sure that the gospel is clear in your testimony. I can't tell you how many times I asked somebody their testimony, and that, this happened to me last night. And so, well, you know, I grew up going to the church, but I wasn't a believer. And uh, then in college, I came under a lot of conviction. I started reading the Bible, and, you know, that's how I met Christ, and everything's been different since then. You know, I think this guy was a real Christian. But imagine if he was sharing that testimony with somebody that was a Chinese exchange student that had never heard anything about God, Jesus, or the Bible, would he have heard enough gospel truth 
to really, you know, move him into the kingdom. He wouldn't have. So let me just give an example. Here's, here's my very short testimony that tries to include the gospel. I'll say to people, you know, I have this vague memory of when I was seven or eight years old, my dad using an old Baptist track to talk to me about Christ, and he explained to me that all people were sinners, all people deserve the wrath of God, but all people could have a relationship with God if they trusted in what Christ had done for them on the cross. And as much as a seven or eight-year-old could really understand that, I really think I put my faith in Christ, and I think I was changed. Again, there's enough narrative there that it sounds like a story, but there's also enough gospel truth that is getting at the heart of the matter. And so make sure the way you share your testimony actually includes the gospel that's one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen in evangelism. Second thing I would say is just pray. I mean, when in doubt, just pray a lot. And then wherever you're struggling in evangelism, pray about it. If you're like, well, I don't, I don't have any lost friends. I've been so involved in the church for so long. I don't know if I know a non-Christian. Pray that God would help you make some non-Christian friends, okay? Uh, if you say, I do have non-Christian friends, but I don't feel bold enough to bring it up, pray that God would increase your boldness. Uh, I'm bold enough. I just, I'll be honest, okay? I don't care enough. I'm too busy and I got other things. Pray that God would give you more of a heart. I have tried to have conversations. And once I start talking to people, I feel like a blubbering idiot. I don't know what to say, and I feel like I make things worse. Pray that God would give you more wisdom. But just saturate this whole process in prayer. And here's one thing I've seen in my own life and a lot of other people's lives. If you were praying every single day about evangelism, praying maybe even specific lost people by name, you really can't persevere in doing that for days, weeks, months on end and it not eventually turn into a conversation. Because something will happen in your heart as you keep getting before the Lord. It will bubble up. So here would be one kind of really specific challenge. Try to think of 10 non-Christian people that you know. And this can be from your place of work, your family, whatever. And then try to commit to praying for those 10 people every single day. And if you think, I literally don't know if I know 10 non-Christian people, that's a little bit concerning. I mean, I... I love living in Birmingham. There's so many blessings, but we, we can get saturated just in church culture where we're not interacting enough with the lost. Uh, pray that God would introduce you to people um, and bring them along your way. Okay? And here, here's the last thing I'll say about prayer. Even in the midst of the conversation, if you ever get into a gospel conversation, I, I don't think I'm a, a very great evangelist. In one sense, I'm a somewhat faithful evangelist because I work for a Christian ministry that does evangelism, and if I don't do it, I get fired. So, I mean, it's it's really not even that spiritual. Uh, But I tell you what I find myself doing a lot of times when I'm in conversations, even after 24 years of being a professional evangelist, so to speak, is in the middle of the conversation, I'm asking the Lord, please give me wisdom what I should say next. Please give me wisdom what question I should ask next. Please give me wisdom what verse to share, what illustration to share. Happens to me all the time, okay? Um... So, third thing is get accountability partners. If if you're really serious about this, find an accountability partner. I don't care what you call it, something in some kind of small group where they'll pray for you to share the gospel. They'll ask you about sharing the gospel. Look for places to share the gospel, either where you live, where you work, or where you play, or maybe where your kids play, okay? I mean, that's one of the things I know is a lot of times your kids get into the sport and you're like, I don't play anywhere. All I do is follow my kids around and watch them play. That can be one of the best places for evangelism is when you're sitting there watching a soccer game with other parents. And so, but try to have one specific place where you most proactively try to meet non-Christians and think that way. Uh, use cold turkey opportunities as the best way for practice and training. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Cold turkey, it means with a complete stranger, right? I mean, I had one of these last week in an Uber in Chicago. Uh, 
it's highly likely I'll never see that guy again unless he goes to heaven, right? And what I would say is in those situations, as awkward as those can be, push yourself to get into a spiritual conversation. Yes, because it could affect that person's eternity, but here's a, here's a second really good reason. It's really just good practice. Because you never know what's going to come up sharing with the random Uber driver in downtown Chicago. And it will probably throw you into conversations you're not prepared for. It will stretch you. And it will make you better at the more natural conversation you might have across the fence with your next-door neighbor. Does that make sense? And here's the thing. If you do a really bad job with the Uber driver or the person next to you on an airplane, it, again, it doesn't matter that much, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Why do so many of us... I'll, I'll do a little crowd participation for a second, okay? I hope this works. I, I want you to think about maybe the last time that you were in a conversation with somebody and you thought this person might not or probably not a Christian and maybe I could bring up a spiritual conversation here, but you didn't do it. Now, unfortunately, I don't have to think back very far the last time that was for me. Okay? Why didn't you bring it up? What was going on that you said... I don't want to bring it up. Sounds awkward. It's awkward, right? I mean, and that's me too. It's just, it's going to be awkward now, and it might even be awkward later the next time I see this same person at the gym again, right? And I don't want to commit to weekly awkwardness with this human being because we were having a conversation about football, and I tried to turn it to Jesus. No, I mean, apart from that just being terribly sinful... Right, that we love our own comfort more than we love people's souls. I get it. It's practical. It's realistic. But with the Uber driver or the person on the airplane, you don't have to worry about that as much. I mean, it might be awkward for five seconds, but then it's like, I'll probably never see him again. So I would just encourage you, when you have cold turkey evangelistic opportunities, go for it. And who knows what the Lord might do. I've, I've had amazing conversations with complete strangers on planes, but it, it really is one of the best ways to encourage your growth and boldness and all this. Now, um, this next point I want to share, I got from Randy Pope. I'm going to share a couple things from him. He was a longtime pastor of Perimeter Prez in Atlanta. But this, this one principle has probably, it's going to seem counterintuitive, but it's probably helped me share the gospel more uh, than anything else because it's freed me up. Because, again, remember, I mean, I grew up as a Baptist, um, and, and then I get involved in this campus outreach ministry in college that's all about evangelism. And then I go to Briarwood, which is all committed to evangelism and knocking on doors and all that kind of stuff. So there can be this burden, right, that any time I'm on an airplane, if you take a nap, you're a big sinner. Because you should have been talking to, uh, this, nobody ever said that, right? But, but I've felt that before. But, but here comes this Randy Pope uh, principle that has helped me so much. Imagine if you were at a party somewhere and the music was really loud. And you saw somebody that you knew casually, but you wanted to talk to them, and the music was loud, so you couldn't really hear. So you took a step closer to them, say, hey, how are you doing? And when you took that step closer to them, they kind of took a step back. You would probably just take that as a social cue. They don't want to talk to me right now at this party. Whereas if they took another step closer to you to kind of lean in to hear what you say, you say, well, that's a social cue. They do want to talk to me. Just take that normal social dynamic and apply it in evangelism. So, for example, okay, again, wherever, you're at the gym, you got done, you're sitting down, just kind of cooling off, talking, to, and you just maybe ask a simple question like, did you grow up around here? Yeah, you know, I'm from Birmingham, you know, went off to college, but I've been back well. And here's one of the easiest lines to turn a conversation from something normal into something spiritual that you can still use in the Bible. Did you grow up going to church anywhere? 
And if they kind of bristle at that, and they're like, no, not really, see you later, don't try to chase them down in the parking lot and share John 3.16 with them. I mean, from from a perspective of God is in control of all things, it must just be that God's not working on that person's heart right now. And so if they kind of bristle when you try to take a step towards them in more spiritual conversation, don't force the issue. Because nine times out of ten, if you do force the issue, it won't go good. It will go bad. Let it go. But if they do kind of warm and say, yeah, you know what? I did grow up and I went to a Methodist church. I don't go to church anymore. And they seem comfortable. Keep pressing the conversation. And, and guys, uh, ladies, you, you, you'll be shocked. <laughs> At where conversation go. Let me just give you one quick story. This is years ago. I'd been uh, on a trip to Australia, and the, the flight from Australia to LA is a very long flight. I, I'm terrible at sleeping on planes, and then I had a flight from LA to, I guess, Birmingham or Atlanta. I don't remember. Uh, but I was just exhausted. I was miserable. I was so excited about hopefully trying to sleep, and I sat down on the plane and I was next to this woman um, who all sorts of different colored, neon hair, piercings, tattoos. Didn't look like she grew up in Birmingham, all right? I'll just say it that way. And, uh, but once again, I am a minister, so I'm trying to be spiritual. She was reading a book, and so I kind of said, hey, what are you reading? And she said, what? And, uh, and so I, inwardly in my heart, I kind of said, praise the Lord. This is uh, she does not want to talk, and so I'm going to be able to just, you know, with a good conscience, go to sleep and... This is great. And so I said a second time, you know, I just asked what you're reading. She said, oh. And then she kind of opened up. And I'm not making this up, okay? L- literally, from L.A. to Birmingham, by the time we had landed in Birmingham, she's telling me her whole life story, which started with my mom tried to abort me and it didn't work, so we've never had a great relationship since then. And she didn't pray to receive Christ on the plane or anything, but she's literally weeping by the time we landed in Birmingham. She's from Montgomery, and I'm trying to connect her to churches and counselors. So I share that story to say this. If you'll just take these little baby steps, you don't have to be that bold. Just ask a question like, hey, did you grow up going to church anywhere? And just see if they open up. And if they do, keep taking steps until they give you a social clue. I don't want to do this anymore. And at that point, back off. Okay? Um, Because here's another really important principle that, that will be a game changer, I think, for your evangelism. You don't have to say everything in every conversation. Right? I mean, Jesus didn't. Do you remember how Jesus shared the gospel, so to speak, with the rich young ruler? I mean, this seemed like a prime opportunity. Jesus didn't initiate. He did. He came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? No. Has anybody ever had anybody ask them a question like that? I mean, seriously, in being in full-time professional ministry, maybe after 24 years, maybe there's been two and a half times where somebody has basically said, I want to be a Christian, what do I have to do? And it's almost, is that my own camera? Uh, it almost never happens. But think about it. If, let's just imagine this did happen to you tomorrow in your neighborhood. Hey, I notice you go to church every Sunday. I want to know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What would you say if somebody asked you that? What's that? Okay, pray. All right. Would anybody answer like this? Well, you know the Ten Commandments. Just keep those perfectly. I mean, that, that, right? I mean, if somebody did answer like that, you'd be like, they're a legalist. Except Jesus said that. Now, Jesus did have the advantage of being able to read people's minds. 
But still, I want you to know his wife. And the man said, I, did keep, I do keep all the commandments I have since my birth. And you said, okay, that's fine. He didn't even argue that point. One thing you like. Just sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, come follow me. And the man walked away sad. And Jesus said, no, wait, 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 there's more i got to tell you. Jesus let him walk away. Part of what I hope you hear in this is there's a freedom to try to take the next step. Try, try to figure out. Where, let's just say that point A, if, if, you know, if there was point A to Z, okay, on a spiritual line, and A is being an atheist and Z is being a Christian. Part of good evangelism is when you meet somebody, you're trying to figure out where are they at on that scale. And then if I can just move them one step forward, if they're literally an atheist, but I can get them to admit maybe there's a God. That's a victory, right? I've moved them to step B. And it's like, well, of course I believe in a God, but I don't know which God it is. And I've said, well, why don't you at least read the, the, the last two, the, the Uber driver in Chicago, and then the week before that, on a Saturday morning workout at the gym, kind of hanging around, I, where the conversation has ended has been me saying this, have you ever read the Gospel of John? No, never read the Gospel of John. Would you be willing to read the Gospel of John and just see what you think about the person of Christ? And one of the guys, I had a Gospel of John in my car. I said, here, I'll give you one. You know, So just move the conversation as much forward as you can, but don't feel the burden of responsibility. I think this is one thing that keeps us from sharing the Gospel more is when we feel the burden. I've got to do all the four spiritual laws and all the evangelism explosion questions, and I can't even remember, and... I'm starting to get nervous. I can't remember how to quote John 3.16, so we just I'll just do nothing. It'd be better just to move it one step forward. Okay. Um, here's, a, here's another good one. Because if you ever start to get in the conversation and you don't really know where to go, here, here's a great kind of question, especially with people in the Bible Belt that seem like they know all the answers. You ever run into that problem? You're, and they're like, I know about God, Jesus, and the Bible, and He died on my cross, and I, yeah, I believe all that. I got baptized, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I've been watching your life, and I see you out on Friday and Saturday night and how many margaritas you drink, and I'm not sure you really got it. No, you probably don't say that, okay? Um, but those type thoughts go through our mind, right? Here's a great little thing you can do. You can say, you know, when Jesus met with the woman at the well, John chapter 4, he talked to her about her romantic relationships. When Jesus talked to the rich young ruler, he talked to him about his money and his stuff. He never talked to the rich young ruler about his romantic life. He never talked to the woman at the well about her money. Again, he could see into their soul. He knew what their main functional God was. So, if God showed up here today and he was going to ask you about one thing in your life, what would it be? Now, I've used that question a lot on people. You know how most people like to respond to that question? Somebody tell you, yes. what do you think the most normal response to that question is? I don't know. I don't know. Now, here, here, here's a great, I got this from a counseling professor in seminary. He said, here's really all good counseling is. When somebody says, I don't know, you just say, what's your best guess? And it's amazing how people say, well, and I used to use it with my, with my kids, they'd get sick of it. They're like, I don't have a best guess, Dad. Uh, but mo most people, what's your best guess? Just take a guess. And then usually, you're talking to an adult, they'll say, well, it probably would be. My career, I think I love my career too much. I give too much time to my career. Sometimes I neglect my family. And then that will help you inform how am I supposed to pursue this person? What would repentance look like in that person's life? That makes sense? I mean, repentance in one person's life. The principle's the same, but a lot of times the application's different. So that's a great question. 
Here's another Randy Popeism that's been super helpful. The Bible's the Word of God, right? The Bible's living and active, okay, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the only thing that can guarantee you to change people's lives. That's why important when you can to quote verses, when you can get them to read the Bible, when you can share the Bible. But what if you do? I mean, the guy that I shared the gospel with a couple of Saturdays ago at the gym, he's like, I don't know if I really believe the Bible. Great Randy Pope example. He said, imagine if you wake up in the middle of the night and a burglar has broken into your house. And he says, listen, you know, I've got a weapon. I want you to get out of bed, take and show me where all the you know, jewelry is in your house, and then I'll be out of your way. But if you don't comply, I'm going to kill you. And you're kind of terrified, and you get up, and you start to move over to where your jewelry's at, and then you kind of notice he's got a knife. And you just start laughing at him. And he's like, why are you laughing at me? This is I will kill you if you don't get... He said, you said, well, I thought you had a gun. I, I'm really terrified of guns. I don't believe in knives. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give you my jewelry anymore. Now, what's a good uh, burglar going to do at that moment? He's going to use the knife anyway, right? The fact that you don't believe in knives doesn't in any way negate the power of knives. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, this is a really sick illustration. <laughs> it's Randy Pope's fault. Blame him, all right? But the Word of God is a spiritual sword. And even if somebody says, I'm an atheist, I don't believe a word of that. Okay. I mean, here's what I say. Would you be willing to read the Gospel of John just like you read a biography of Abraham Lincoln? You don't have to believe that it's inerrant. Just, just take it at least as good literature, a decent history book. Give you another story. Some of our staff down in uh, Brazil, this was years ago, and we're trying to start a Bible study on one of the campuses, and they met a student who said, I would like for you to host uh, your Bible study at my house, but I want you to know ahead of time I'm not a Christian, I don't believe it, and I'm not even interested in it. And they're like, okay, that's, that's strange, but they're like, we'd love to host a Bible study at your house especially if you're this anti-Christ, you know, and you, but you're willing to invite your friends. And they were like, why, why? They said, well, I think everything I read in the Bible is beautiful. I don't think it's true. I just think it's beautiful. And, okay, uh, so they start having the Bible study at this guy's house, going through the Gospel of John, weeks, weeks, maybe even in a month. And he said one night he comes into the Bible study, and most of the time he said this guy at some point during the night would say, I don't believe any of this is true, but I think it's beautiful. And he said one night they got to his house, and the guy was just saying, it's true. It's all true. And what had happened, he had just been saturated with the Word of God for so long. And listen, more and more today in the 21st century, again, especially in, in a Bible Belt culture, a lot of people that I'm seeing come to Christ, when you're like, exactly when did you pray to receive Christ? doesn't work that way as much anymore. It's more like, you know, somewhere in January of 2019, I know for sure I was not a Christian. And by December 2019, I know for sure I was a Christian. When exactly does it happen? I don't know. And guys, it doesn't matter, right? It just matters that God has really changed their heart. So try to have multiple conversations if you can. Like I said, you don't have to say everything in one conversation. Use a good church, good Bible studies, things like that, even good podcasts, whatever it may be, to show the gospel. And it can kind of be good cop, bad cop, right? If you invite a friend to church with you and or a Bible study, whatever it is, afterwards you can just say, well, what would you think about what the Bible study leader said? And if they get mad or hurt or offended or whatever, it's not you. You get to be a good cop. Right? Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't agree with everything that she said either. But what did you think about this one point? And sometimes somebody from up front can say something a lot more strongly to a group than you can say one-to-one -one across the coffee table. Does that make sense? 
But once the pastor up front has said it to a thousand people, and then at Starbucks you bring it back up again, it can be just as powerful but not seem as offensive. Does that make sense? So, um, just a couple more thoughts and I'll stop and we'll do a little Q&A if you want to. My personal testimony. I can honestly say there have been many times where I've had the thought, I ought to share the gospel right here. I ought to at least try to get into a spiritual conversation. And I didn't do it. And later, I think rightfully so, I felt a sense of regret, conviction, like I needed to confess and repent to the Lord. There has, I'm not exaggerating here, there's never in my life been one time where I tried to get into a spiritual conversation or share the gospel where I later regretted it. I might later regret, I should have gone about it this way instead of that way. But I've never regretted doing it and it not being bad. And God, again, in, in 24 plus years and doing this on, on multiple different continents, different countries, I've never had anybody hit me. I've never had anybody spit at me. You know, I think maybe once I've had somebody yell at me and maybe once I've had somebody cuss at me. But even that, it was almost humorous. And, and, and I say that to say, there's a guy named Max Stiles, and I think it was him that said this. He, he's a Baptist church planner in Iraq. He used to be in Dubai. I guess that wasn't radical enough for him, so he moved to Iraq. And what he said is, you know, in most parts of the world, why people hold back from sharing the gospel is they, they, they fear the raised fist. Somebody might literally persecute them physically. Why do most of us hold back from sharing the gospel in the West? Because we, we fear the raised eyebrow. Somebody might look at us funny. So, uh, I'll say this in closing. Think about the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, right? The crazy guy. I mean, and Jesus, he said, hey, Jesus, I don't have a very good reputation here. I'd really like to get into your discipleship group. And Jesus said, nope, no more room. You just go home and tell people what God's done for you. I mean, he had great excuses to say, nobody respects me. And yet, he went and shared the gospel. Uh, the woman at the well, she could have said, yeah, I don't have a very good reputation. Nobody's going to respect me. And yet, she went back, and the whole village believed because of her. So, I, I think in my life, all too often, I can't speak for you, the main reason I don't share the gospel more is I just, I don't love people enough. I'm not caring enough. I'm not compassionate enough. I'm not other-centered. I'm too worried about myself. So, here's my last thought. I, I sure am glad that Christ doesn't think and feel the same way I do. Right? He was willing to leave the comfort of heaven to come knowing it would cost him, not just social ostracism, which it did, but literal ostracism from his own father. And yet out of that love, he came. And because of that, we believe. And motivated by that, we ought to go and share even more. So let me pray one more time, and then we'll do questions if y'all want to. Father, uh, Please take our head knowledge and turn it more and more into heart knowledge, Lord, that burns, that leads to zeal and passion and love and real uh, mercy for people, pity. And, Lord, do give us opportunities. Would you, would you make it easy for us, God? We just confess together. We're too busy. We're too selfish. Uh, we're too worried about our social standing and just the awkwardness. Would you help us get over ourselves by dropping good opportunities in our lap? and grow us up in this area. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen 
and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching. <laughs>